Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you all have come into this place tonight with some unfinished business? Not just from this evening, but from this afternoon or possibly this week or from sometime this year, some unfinished task, some incomplete, uh, incomplete goal, some objective not yet met. Maybe not something big, not like a life goal or something like that, but, but just some unfinished business. I remember when we moved here just over five and a half years ago, going out in my wonderful new yard, looking around my yard up at the trees and seeing all these beautiful oaks and thinking to myself, I am never going to have to rake pine needles again. We call them pine straw, but I translated it for you, pine needles. But I thought, this is wonderful. This is glorious. I'm never going to I'm never gonna have to rake up millions and millions of pine needles again. Not going to have to make the piles. Not going to have to put them in the bags. Oh, it's just glorious. All those horrible, horrible 90-foot pine trees replaced by these beautiful, majestic oaks. And then I discovered acorns. <laughs> and not just once, but twice. Seems like three times. I don't know. Every time we rake the acorns, every time we rake those leaves, it seems like it doesn't even matter. The next day, they're back. Have you ever done that? Have you felt that? How many of those big Lowe's bags have you filled up? How many, how many does it take to actually contain all of those leaves, all of those acorns. I mean, they just keep coming. It never ends. You just keep filling up the bags. Is it like that with you too, or is it just my yard? <laughs> Do you have any unfinished business, something that feels like it just never ends? Have you ever tried to cancel a subscription to something? You can't just do it once. It's going to take about 50 emails. I remember Morgan the other night was complaining about that. Bo came down the other day holding, a, holding an email in his hand that he printed out. He says, how many times do I have to tell these people I'm not coming? He'd written to this one college like four times. They were not taking no for an answer. How many of you moms out there believe that laundry never ends? Grocery shopping never ends. It seems like as soon as you get that one medical procedure done, that one checkup, you've got to go for another one, or you've got to take that medicine perpetually. Okay, one word, taxes. Haven't you paid enough in taxes so far? For, is it, does, do you ever come to a point where you don't have to pay taxes anymore? Do you ever feel like you're just living to catch up or trying to keep up, and it's just never enough? It's never enough. Once isn't good enough. Well, if you would, I've got to, I want to share with you a, one more passage of Scripture. We've been studying the book of Hebrews now for several months, and this passage came to me as I was, as I was thinking about this week, this holy week. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. It's not in your bulletins. It's not going to be on the screens in front of you, but if you've got a, if you've got a pew Bible in front of you, if you brought your own, I invite you to read with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. Here's what the author of Hebrews writes. He says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never 
take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Have we not just read about all those people that the author of Hebrews just called his enemies who were beating him and mocking him and spitting on him? For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. With only a few relatively short interruptions, the people of Israel had worshipped on the Temple Mount for 957 years, since the time of Solomon. Before that, the time of Moses, in that time, they had worshipped in the tabernacle, the portable tent temple. For 400 years. On the altar of the temple, the priests sacrificed hundreds of lambs, hundreds of cattle, doves, day after day, week after week, year after year, blood sacrifices given in repentance by people seeking atonement and God's forgiveness for crimes both great and small. For 13 centuries, The priests of Israel had offered the blood of bulls and lambs and birds and goats on the altar before the Lord. An endless cycle of sin and sacrifice. And then once a year on the Day of Atonement, every year, the high priest of the temple would take the blood of the sacrifices and enter the most holy chamber of the temple, the Holy of Holies, And he would throw himself before the mercy seat of the Lord on behalf of the people. But here's the problem. Nothing really changed. Nothing really changed. It didn't change the world. It didn't change the nation. It didn't change the people. The author of Hebrews explained the sad fact that every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. They made sacrifices every day, but it was never enough. Now, we might think, that sounds crazy. I mean, one popular definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But even though this might seem seem strange or crazy to us, there was actually a reason for this, a purpose to this repetition. If you look Back a few verses earlier, Hebrews 10.3 tells us why the sacrifices were repeated over and over and over. It says, in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. In these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. In other words, the purpose of this system that God had put in place, the purpose of these sacrifices 
was to serve as a constant reminder of the brokenness and sin of fallen humanity and to remind us of our need for God's mercy and forgiveness. The Apostle John says that if we say that we are without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He even goes a step farther. He says if we say that we have no sin, then we're calling God a liar. The sacrifices of the temple were, were a perpetual reminder of our condemnation, a perpetual reminder of our guilt before the righteous judge. It was an endless river of blood. What better symbol or illustration for the violence or the sin or the cruelty of man, for the constant noise and the fire and the spilled blood of sacrifices? What better representation? All that mess of the messiness of man. You, know, I may, you may have seen the same picture I saw the other day. It was a picture of a Ukrainian woman, a grieving grandmother, kneeling down in the street in the midst of the rubble of her bombed-out city. And all around her, the pavement was discolored with the splash of blood. Can you imagine what the, the pavement of the Temple Mount looked like after 13 centuries of blood, the depth of the stain there. The blood of the temple was a perpetual reminder that we are, to use Jonathan Edwards' words, sinners in the hands of an angry God and for good reason. I mean, how much animal blood does it take to atone for all the blood spilled by man, the blood of men and women and children made in the image of God. How much blood to represent the blood spilled in war, in crime, in abuse, in neglect. How much blood to represent the blood lost in the death and indifference, in complicity and participation in a culture that undermines marriage and family, that nods and winks at greed and abortion and pornography and corruption that makes idols out of money and celebrities while mocking the true worship of the living God. How much blood? Now, you and I are a part of all of that. The constant repetition is a reminder that it's never enough. It's never enough. We never have enough bags to catch all the acorns. It's a reminder that we can never do enough to undo what we've done, either individually or collectively. There is not enough cow or goat or sheep blood to fill the crater of our human sin. It's never enough. But if we look back to chapter 9, verse 11, we will find four of the sweetest, most important words ever written. In 9-11, the author of Hebrews says, but when Christ appeared, but when Christ appeared, four universe-stopping words, Because when Christ appeared, 
everything changed. And the author of Hebrews tells us about how Jesus takes us from the endless state of never enough to enough. Listen to what Hebrews says. Christ's sacrifice is once for all. He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He made an all-time single sacrifice for sins. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. He is enough. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14 says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works? to serve the living God. What is that statement saying? It's saying that the blood of Jesus Christ is worth more than every sacrifice ever made. How much more? Well, a transaction took place on that cross. Mark 10.45 says that the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom for many. What does that mean? That Jesus took on every lousy thing that you or I ever did. And that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all the lousy stuff that we've left undone. Jesus died on the cross for all the lousy stuff we do as individuals, but, for, but not only that, he also died for all the lousy stuff we've done in complicity as members of groups or nations or races or classes. He became the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Christ carried, he bore the punishment for the sins of human beings, and he atoned for them all by accepting the just punishment for those sins, all due for those high crimes and misdemeanors. Now one might ask, how could one man pay the penalty of eternal condemnation for so many sins by so many people in just a few hours on the cross? We could do it for two reasons. Jesus was infinitely valuable and could take the place of an infinite number of people. Jesus was the only possible substitute, so rare, no, so unique was the value of one sinless life that his life was worth more than all the souls of all the damnable sinners that ever lived before or after. But not only that, he was also infinitely righteous. He could pay the penalty for an infinite number of sins. The Son of God, who was the Son of Man, was the only person ever born who could do what needed to be done. He had not violated the law of God. He is not in a broken relationship or state of rebellion with God. 
He lived in perfect submission to God. And he has fulfilled all righteousness. That is, he has no outstanding debt to God. He's the only one with enough to give. And so he was able to pay what we could not pay. To put it simply, why did Jesus die for our sins? Because Jesus gave his life for our sins because it had to be Jesus. It had to be him. He is the only sufficient sacrifice. He was the only possible substitute. And he endured what we could never endure. What if all of a sudden we had to answer for every lousy, mean, thoughtless, selfish, immoral, perverse, disrespectful, bigoted, false, manipulative, or thoughtless or reckless thing that we've ever done or said? What if that margin was called all at once on your life? What if all of a sudden you had to pay back every debt you owe or make up, make up for every problem that you ever caused or make amends to every person you've ever hurt? Could you handle that? If that margin was called, we couldn't even survive the retribution of our own sin, much less everybody else's. But he could, and he did. And by the death of Jesus Christ, not only were we saved, but the justice of God was satisfied. Because of the cross, no sin will ever go unpunished. It was punished there. Because of the cross, no human sin has ever gone unavenged. Because Christ has taken God's vengeance in his body. He paid for every sin that you and I have ever committed and for every sin that we have ever endured. And because of what Jesus did for us, instead of getting what we deserve, we get what he deserves. Glory. Listen, God looked at us and punished him so that he could look on him and pardon us. He looked on me and punished me so that he could look on him and pardon me. He is enough. And he's the only sacrifice good enough and big enough to take care and cover the sin of all God's people. He's the only one with the value and the magnitude to save us. So under the old system, the sacrifices had to keep coming. The blood had to keep flowing to keep reminding the people of their sin, their need for God, and their hopeless inability to save themselves. But look again at Hebrews 9.11. When Christ appeared, everything changed. The sacrifices of the temple were a memory tool. They performed as a reminder of the sins of all of us every year. They were a memory tool. But the Gospels tell us that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his disciples in an upper room. 
And he gave them a new memory tool. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink you all of it, and do this in remembrance, in remembrance of me. That night, Jesus gave them something new to remember. Why did Jesus give them this new memory tool? Because he knew what was about to happen. And by these actions and by these words, he was saying, this is how I want you to remember what is, what is about to happen. And this is how, how you shall remember what I am about to do for you. And he did this ahead of time because he knew that they would remember the trauma. They'd remember with the, the fear and the trial and the shouting mob and the, the Roman soldiers and the whips and the nail and the cross. They would remember his death, but without this preparation and explanation. They'd remember the trauma, but they wouldn't remember the purpose or the love behind it. And so ahead of time, he said, this is what's going to happen, and this is why. Whenever you eat this bread and you remember my body whipped and lacerated and beaten and nailed, remember that it was given for you. And whenever you drink from this cup and you remember my blood, Remember that it was given for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. In the sacrifices of the temple, there is a constant reminder of your sins, says Hebrews 10.3. It was always reminding people of their sin, pointing to their brokenness or their guilt or their failures or their shame. But Jesus said that you're going to stop doing that. Because now I'm going to give you something new to remember. Now I'm going to give you a perpetual reminder of my love. Do this. Whenever you take this bread or take this cup. And remember that Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, has given himself as an all-time single sacrifice for sins. Remember that he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of bloods or of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Yes, to be sure, to be sure, righteousness begins with repentance, but it doesn't end there. It is completed in the fulfillment of Christ. When we come to this table, we come to remember that he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we do not come to an altar to make yet another sacrifice. We come to his table to remember his sacrifice, to remember what he did for us, once and for all. 
Unlike the temple system that demanded sacrifice over and over, the Lord's Supper is an over and over celebration of a one-time event. So we come to this table, to the Eucharist, to the Lord's Supper, over and over again to remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, to remember that God did not send the son into the world that the world might be condemned, but that the world might be saved through him. That the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Easter story is about how Jesus brought this endless system of repetition and condemnation to completion. From an endless endless cycle of priest, sacrifice, and altar to Christ, cross, and table. But more importantly, it's about how Jesus takes us from the endless state of never enough to enough. And remember that on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it is finished. There was a young man who came up to an old preacher after a tent revival once. He walked up with his wallet in hand, ready to give an offering, and he said, Preacher, I'm sorry, but I missed the service. What do I have to do to be saved? The old preacher turned around and he said, Sorry, son, it's too late. The young man said, Oh, no! The preacher said, Yeah, it's too late. The young man said, But you mean it's too late because... Because the service is over, I've got money, I can work real hard for you. The old preacher said, no, it's too late. Because it's already been done. You've already been saved. And then he proceeded to tell him that he didn't have to do anything because Jesus did it all. All you have to do is bet your life on what he's done. When Jesus said... It is finished. He meant this is enough. All you need to do is remember who he is. Trust him. And bet your life on what he's done. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Our business always seems incomplete. We are always struggling, moving from this thing to the next thing. It seems like there is never a rest. It seems like there's never enough. But you came to show us that by your grace and by the blood of your Son, it is enough. It is finished. And that you are enough to take away all of our sins and restore the image of God in your children. Lord, help us to remember that indeed it is finished and to bet our lives on what you've done. Amen.